0: words, they're a thing. Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language honest talk about running farms and raising families.
1: In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they are not your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome back to another episode of Barnyard Language. Thank you so much for joining us again today. And we'll start off like we usually do, where I ask Katie what's new on the
0: farm. So Katie, what's happening? Well, it's been a long week, Arlene. We got back from our Thanksgiving trip and we impulse bought a foot tall Christmas tree, which, so some friends of ours, Pete Kearns, Tosh Eggman, of Turkey River Farm and Turkey River Greenhouse in Alcator, Iowa, if you need plants, a CSA, pork, lamb, Christmas trees, whatever. Just a little free advertising for (laughs) all, you know, two of our listeners that might be in the area. Anyway, they're also delightful people and they have basically the cutest baby in the world so impulse bought a christmas tree came home put up the tree blah 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 and then wednesday i had to look back at the calendar to remember when this was um so we're recording this on the friday before the before this episode will come out i was in the house with the kids kids are good katie's good everything is is good my husband came in with his hand wrapped in a shop towel and calmly announced that we needed to go to the emergency room and i inquired as to whether this was like a call the lifelight helicopter need to go to the emergency room or like two stitches need to go to the emergency room. Like
1: how How much is the shop towel holding it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like how much of your body is disconnected at this point? Turns out that he and his dad had been working on the skid loader and had the wheels off and had it jacked up and had it blocked. And Jim was pointing to some drain plug, I guess on the bottom of the skid loader and his dad set the jack down with Jim's hand underneath it, and Nablox didn't catch the skid loader. Thankfully, and I mean, it, it really is an excellent thing, it, it's basically the smallest injury you could get from having a skid loader set on your body. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we're also headed to the orthopedic surgeon on Monday morning to see what they're going to have to do to, to close it up. We went into the ER Wednesday, and got it, you know, cleaned in antibiotics and all that. Um, But with the short staffing of medical professionals in the world right now, I guess, and the fact that, thankfully, the end of your finger is not the most pressing injury they see. We got bumped till till Monday morning to get it dealt with. Uh, Which hand are we talking here?
1: Dominant hand? Right. Yeah.
0: So he's... We've oh, been joking okay. in a group yeah, about him, you know right outsourcing his yeah. nose picking, um, things of that nature. Because, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so so it's wrapped up huge, right? And he comes home and there's something red on the end of it, and I'm thinking, you know, they told him light duty at work, they told him to stay calm. I, I assume he's bleeding through like 15 layers of gauze, you know, and I'm thinking we're going to have to go to the emergency room again to get it, you know, redressed and all this. And then I realize it's really bright red and i asked him he goes oh it's frosting we had cupcakes at work today like dude (laughs) you couldn't have found a cupcake that wasn't red or something help me out you know that off just help me
1: out a little bit so it looks pink at least well that's a lousy way to get a date night kitty
0: yeah that's what i said too i mean like you know if you wanted to get me alone you could have just taken me out to dinner like you didn't really have to go to the (laughs) er for three hours anyway how's your That's life okay. Arlene?
1: well in comparison in in our week has been pretty chill you know the crops are off we just have to you know milk the cows and do well you know all the rest of the chores all the time um, just do
0: the farming yeah yeah
1: just do yeah just do the farming part but yeah things have been pretty relaxed um big news in our house this week is that our younger two kids are now now qualify for vaccine here in canada so they are getting their one got their covid shot on thursday and i've got another one tomorrow morning so we're we're getting getting closer to being a fully vaxxed family which is pretty exciting and katie and i both have kids with birthdays coming up so she's got one who's going to be uh still little and i've got one who's going to be driving age so this is a uh an exciting and uh, nerve-wracking time for for us so we'll uh someday this week gonna go and stand in line and see how long it takes to go in and get her in for her writing her driver's test she's been studying all all the signs and all the the stuff to to do the written test so that's the the first step and then i get to be in the passenger seat i guess so that's gonna be a whole new world
0: do you have any big plans for a party this weekend then since your daughter's turning what 16? 16, is that right?
1: Yes, yeah, sweet 16. So we're going to have a small family party. The grandparents are coming over for lunch and I ended up inviting a few extras, a friend and some some of the aunts and uncles and cousins since it's kind of a bigger occasion. And one thing that's a bit different this net right now in our schools is instead of a regular semester program where they take four courses at a time, they switched to masters these last 2 years so they have less potential exposure um, in terms of COVID so you're with less people every day so she's actually doing a co-op placement right now at another farm so she actually goes and lives with them and so we take her down on a a Wednesday night after her dance class and then she spends three days working on on their farm and then she comes back home for a couple days so she's going to um, get back on her birthday and then we can have a bit of a surprise birthday gathering type thing for her for her 16th. So that's
0: the plan for this week. Well, that'll be fun. The farm she's working on. Is that another dairy then or is that? Yeah, so it's another
1: dairy farm. Friends of ours. So it's about a 45-minute drive. So it would be... Too far for if she was doing co-op and school, but it works out really well because she's not having to do both. They have kids who are older and have moved out of the house. So they've actually got, she has her own room and they set it up nicely for her. So she's, uh, yeah, she's got another place to hang out and just learn things from someone else that's Mm -hmm. not her parents. So I think that should be a good learning experience all
0: around. I think it should be a requirement that kids have to learn to deal with adults that are not family or, you know, paid to deal with them.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, like there's a lot of people I'm, you know, obviously it's not an option for everybody, but I mean, a lot of people who, you know, maybe work on the family farm and then end up staying on the family farm and maybe have never had another employer. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's definitely a different, different life skill. And, you know, you, you learn, you learn things from, from other people differently than than your parents especially
0: when you're a teenager and you don't always
1: uh, believe what they tell you
0: yeah it's definitely easier to to take correction from someone who's not your parent <laughs> yes. at, at 16 yeah.
1: well yeah. i mean even in my 40s i would yeah,
0: well, still, still prefer it, probably yeah. i mean my mom might listen to this so i've never <laughs> yeah. needed correction for anything oh i'm yes i'm sure you have ever no it's perfect angel at all times yeah, I ordered an ice I'm like craning my head around. She can't hear me. Um, they're out in the living room watching T V. But I ordered an ice cream cake yesterday and thankfully the girl who answered we have a, a locally owned creamery that two dairy farmers co own and they make cheese and cheese curds and ice cream and uh, bottle their own milk, which is amazing. So good. delicious. Um, WW Homestead in Waukon, Iowa, they do ship. Anyway, ordered an ice cream cake. And the girl who took the order is apparently one of seven kids, so she had a real good grasp of what a five-year-old would want. (laughs) I think we're expecting it to pretty much be so bright that we will need sunglasses and possibly vomited inducing just from the sheer amount of sugar, which means that it will be perfect for small children. The amount of unicorns and glitter and pink in general is kind of (laughs) shocking, so... Before we before we had kids, we were pretty big on, or I at least was pretty big on, you know, not pushing girly things, and um literally had somebody come over to paint a unicorn on her wall last week. So
1: <laughs> well, whatever. By the time leaning into it, they they know what they want. Then it's not up to you anymore, right? No, you it like is what they not. Like. It's, you know um, what, I, Katie, I actually had someone ask the other day about some of the words that we're using to describe our kids. And I just wanted to clarify that one of the reasons that, you know, Katie calls hers girl child and boy child and that I use ages is that we've made a conscious decision not to name them. I mean, well, they
0: have names. I still them. haven't <laughs> named mine. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's
1: only five we couldn't narrow it down yeah. but we made
0: a decision what's the hurry you
1: know? <laughs> prompted prompted by me and you know having teenagers um that we decided that while our husbands would have names in the podcast that we wouldn't use our kids names on the podcast so if you're wondering why we uh, just go by ages or descriptors, say, you just forget what our... you do
0: call them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know they get mixed I, uh... up all the time I realized the other day that I'm already starting to call them by the wrong name, too, so I feel a little safer about...
1: Well, just starting, um, that's pretty impressive. Yeah mine, yeah, mine get mixed up with the pets. And
0: well, that too. I was,
1: but I, I am it, really glad that none of them have the same beginning initial, because my daughter and my sister both start with an M, and whenever we're together... Or I've talked to my sister on the phone, anything like that. I mix their names up constantly. And they're not mm-hmm. that similar. But yeah, you know, if I was a Duggar where, you know, 20 kids yeah. all with the same first initial, there's no way I would ever get the right. So, yeah, yeah. they all have different no, initials. I, so we've got
0: that. I don't I don't know how people with big families do it. We only came up with one girl name and one boy name. And we had um, like five years to do it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You know, we would have really been in trouble if we'd had more. All right. Was that our whole update then, Arlene? Yeah, that'll do it.
1: Today, we'd like to welcome Karen Livesay-Fitch. Karen lives in southwest Iowa with her husband, Nick, where they have a cow half operation. Karen is going to talk to us today about her recent spinal cord injury and the efforts that she and Nick have undertaken to raise money towards spinal cord research karen we start all of our interviews with the same question because it covers a lot of different areas like crops and livestock as well as businesses families careers so we'll ask you as well what are you growing
2: yeah so uh we live
1: right on the iowa
2: missouri border and my grandma um is like 83 or 84 years old and she still lives on the farm and she lives in missouri and then my parents and my husband and i all live in iowa and so uh yeah, we're just a stone's throw from from the other state, so we uh, do a little bit of corn that we grind for feed for our cattle, and we have a um, cattle herd. And then we do quite a bit of hay um, between the two locations, and then uh, the majority of the hay we feed ourselves. But we do have a little bit of extra most years when things uh, work out well and we're not in a drought, so we do sell a little bit of hay. So we're just, we're a little bit all over the place, but the cattle are definitely, uh, what have,
0: what have our hearts. So we really enjoy doing that. So do you pick corn then or do you combine for feed? Uh, we, we pick it
2: on and leave it on the ear and then we, right. Yep. Yep. My dad, yep. Uh, learned that that was a really good way to make high quality feed, uh, quite a while ago. And so that's, that's still how we do it and it works out really well for
0: us that's actually what we do for our cattle and our sheep as well I'm glad to meet somebody else who does the wrong things like we do um, yeah most people don't
2: do that anymore and we we have a Facebook page and so we try and post stuff like you know about what we do on our business page like what we do on our own farm and yeah we similar experience a lot of times people are like is that corn like still on the ear and You know, they kind of look at you like, what on earth is going on? And so, yeah, that's
0: fun. All right. So, Karen, were you always involved in agriculture? And did you and your husband both grow up in farm families?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, I grew up on the farm that my dad was raised on. And so we, and my mom grew up on a farm as well. And so both, uh, you know, both our parents had that strong ag background. And actually, when I bought my first herd of cattle, in 2014 when I was a senior in college and I kind of just offhandedly asked my mom the question like
0: hey how long has
2: our family been farming and she was like oh you know I don't know I should look you know let me do some checking on that and she actually got really into genealogy in that project and we figured out that basically as long as we've had family in America we've had a tie to agriculture so that was really a cool thing to find out uh, for us that, you know, we're carrying that legacy of, you know, the love of, you know, land and livestock on, and that just is really exciting. And my husband uh grew up on a farm as well, and they do a lot with, um, they still do a lot with sheep, and they used to do pigs, and they do cattle, and they also do quite a bit of row crop, conventional corn and beans as well. So yeah, ag is really important to both my husband and I.
1: Karen, can you tell us a bit about your injury and the path you've been on um, since your injury? Just kind of describe what's been going on in your life. I guess the last couple of years is that I would say that
2: my story is definitely not like the traditional uh, spinal cord injury. About the majority of people that have a spinal cord injury um, comes the the biggest contributor to that is car accidents, and then a lot of things like you know, if people are, have some sort of a fall or something like that, that's the most traditional route. But um, I have a really rare condition known as an arterial venous malformation that we found out about when I was uh, about six or seven years old. And I have had, back when I was a kid, I had a few different surgeries where we worked on trying to reduce the size of it. Mine's really it, like, an AVM is a rare condition anyways. And then, um, they can be anywhere all over the body. And mine is really extra rare because it's in my spinal cord. And not only, um, is it in my spinal cord, it's in my C spine, which is extra rare. And then mine was inside and outside of the spinal cord, both. And so basically I'm just the very small subgroup of a very small subgroup of a very small subgroup sort of a thing. Um, so I had surgery when I was a kid and, um, I did five years of physical therapy for the most part, I lived a pretty normal life. You know, there was something like my neurosurgeon, you know, didn't want me like riding a horse or, um, anything like that where I could have a fall. Um, but for the most part, you know, with a little bit of modification, I pretty much did, you know, whatever I wanted So you know, ca- cautiously, whatever I wanted. And then finished high school, went to college, got married, you know, bought my own cows, stuff like that. And then a few years ago, I kind of just started having a few more problems and I had surgeries and, you know, everything it worked out. And then two years ago um, in 2019 in November, um, I had had a great day where I worked. We own our own business. We also farm. I'd worked. I would um, went in to see my little sister at a play and we came home and went to bed and um, I woke up a few hours later and with I didn't feel quite right and I was kind of I was in a lot of pain and then within five minutes I couldn't move anything from my neck down and so I ended up getting life flighted to the University of Iowa and I had surgery and I was actually doing better and I was in uh, ICU for 18 days and I'd gotten transferred to. Uh, rehab facility and while I was there I had a bleed in my um, thoracic spinal cord and uh, went back to Iowa City had surgery again and that's kind of uh, where the luck ran out it seems like and so I got a lot of lung complications and just had you know a slew of things that basically they said at the university we had a plan for any one of these things going wrong but not all of them So I, it started because I aspirated a pill. Then when that happened, they put me on a bipap machine and they blew out one of my lungs. Then um, my lungs collapsed. So I ended up with uh, the trach, as you can see. And uh, at the time I had five chest tubes. Uh, So I was in the hospital from, I was in Iowa City, I was in Nebraska. And then I finally ended up um, at a rehab hospital in Chicago, Illinois. And so I got discharged from the rehab hospital in um, the very end of April of 2020. And we actually came home because this little thing called COVID happened. And uh, my doctor said, we don't know what's going on. This is crazy. The best way that we can keep you safe is to send you home. And so I want you to go home and do nothing and see no one until things get better. And so we, we own our own ag business. Like I've said in my, We farm, and so none of us had any, you know, nursing background at all, and I'm very fortunate that I can be at home and not have to, you know, be at some sort of, like, a long-term care facility, but I do require, you know, 24-hour care because I can, you know, the majority of things I can't do for myself I need help with now, and so, you know, we came home scared to death, not only scared of... Covid because I had all the lung complications and stuff like that, but also we didn't know how to change a trach or do you know any of the things that we need to do. But luckily, um, my family is great and they do an awesome job of helping to take care of me. And you know our local small town community has been awesome and has really rallied around us. And um you know anything we need, they've really helped with. And we've just we've been very fortunate that. Between a can do attitude and Doctor Google, we've always been able to figure it out. So I'm very, very fortunate.
1: Are you willing to talk to us about a little bit about what it looks like for you day to day in terms of? I mean, is it mostly family help? Do you have nursing help as well, or what does it take to kind of, you yeah, know, I mean, make your way through a day now with with those supports in place?
2: Yeah, I mean. I would say that the, you know, most days are long and nights are short, it seems. But for the most part, it's all family. that's here between um, my mom and dad. And I have a younger sister um, who she's in college right now. But, you know, like over the summer and stuff, she's here a lot and husband. And then I have a friend um, from high school that comes a couple days a week. She used to be an EMT. So she has, you know, some training in that and then. From time to time, we have some other help, but for the most part, it's all just family mostly, just one, it's hard. Like, I think anywhere right now, it's hard to find help with anything, but that that's a big contributing factor, and then just, like I said, everything with COVID, we're trying to be as cautious as possible, and just to limit, you know, my exposure to the people that I'm around, just to try and be as safe as possible. So, yeah, we... Days vary a lot, but I still do um, physical therapy a couple times a week. And we're really fortunate because um, the guy that used to be the head of the physical therapy department who retired a few years ago, he comes out twice a week and works out with me. So we just try and do as much activity as possible because I really have improved a lot, even since I've been home. Um, The thing about spinal cord injuries is, prognosis isn't always clear and so um, like even like after my second surgery when things went wrong and I went from before surgery or before the bleed I was able to stand and pivot and walk with assistance to when I came out of surgery I couldn't do anything but squeeze my left hand and they did a MRI and you know tried to check things out to see what was going on and they told my family that I shouldn't have been able to do what I was even doing at the time. And so um, when I left Iowa City, the neurosurgeon said, you know, we don't know what this looks like, but give it a couple of years and you'll have a lot better idea of what your life is, you know, gonna look like day to day. And so uh we have a very can do attitude. Like, I don't know, I think that if I've made a joke before, like if we knew somebody that said, Hey, we need you to get a paper clip from Maine to California figure out how to get it done, somehow we would know enough people that we could do it. Like we're, we're just really fortunate that we know good people and have a good attitude. And so we just put as much effort into getting better as we can. So like I said, physical therapy is here. The um, retired physical therapist comes a couple of days a week. And then I also do a lot of non-traditional stuff. So like there's an acupuncturist that comes once a week and a craniosacral therapist that comes once a week, and um, a rolfer that comes from time to time. So we just, we try and throw everything we can at it to get as most, the most progress as possible. And, you know, I went from only being able to squeeze my left hand to, I have pretty good use of my left arm now, you know, it's not perfect, but I am able to do, you know, use my phone some and beat myself some and like itch my face and stuff like that. Um, and then my right arm, I do have some movement in, not like past my wrist doesn't work. So my hand, I don't have like a functional hand uh, yet, but you know, we work on that. And I even have movement in my both, like on my toes on both feet. So, you know, we don't know what the future looks like, but I am still making progress. And, you know, we hope that with time and effort and prayers and different, you know, things that come out that, you know, we still see the best and hope for the best for the future. But we just work hard every day between now and then to see what we can get back.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you have an amazing team with you and and around you. I love how you're, I don't know if you notice it, but you're saying we you know a lot so obviously those people are really part of your recovery that it, it it isn't just your your injury but it's affecting your whole family but you're all working together to to work through it and but i know you know a lot of that work is is yours right so that's yeah. really admirable you're do, you're doing a a ton of work yeah yeah i mean like
2: for the most part it goes well i think one of the biggest things it's probably honestly like the toughest or one of the tougher aspects of it is, is like, so because I can't move and reposition myself um at night, like I can't just be left on my back all night because then I would get pressure sores. And that's a really big deal for people who don't have the ability to move themselves. And so every three hours throughout the night we wake up and my husband, you know, rolls me and we put like wedges and stuff in. And so I feel like we're in this like continual, basically like you have a newborn stage all the time because you know we never just get a solid night's sleep and then on like compounded with that I have to use a ventilator at night to sleep and so um, when with that and the trach there's like a balloon that goes up um, that kind of covers your airway so your carbon dioxide doesn't get too high which in result leads to me not having a voice at night and so um, you know, like it's in the dark. I'm trying to communicate to him what I need by, you know, voice, like without a voice by using my mouth. And, um, we're, you know, it's definitely much better now than it was because like when my injury first happened, I was on the vent, um, from December through like the first of March. I wasn't able to eat. I didn't, you know, have a voice for the majority of that time. And some of those days in the beginning, there was a lot of like, angry looks and stares and like, come on people. I'm trying (laughs) to tell you what I need.
1: Yeah. Um, Your eyes got very expressive. Yes.
2: Yes. So there, there have been me multiple jokes about the looks that I made on my face when like, you know, the first like two weeks, um, university tried to sedate me so that I would sleep. And I did not sleep for like eight days, more than 20 minutes. And so, you know they talked about how like they would be in the room but they would basically be into, like trying to be where I couldn't see them so that I would actually sleep and then I wouldn't and yeah we we've, we've had all uh, all sorts we could have a real tell of of looks, and um or you know I could only squeeze my hand and so I would get really mad and I would just squeeze really hard and all all sorts of things cuz part you know I was partially drugged so I was a little bit out of it and yeah we've we've done it all
0: yeah so Karen, do you feel like years of working cattle with your family has really improved your ability to give the the death stare? Because I feel like, you know...
2: Maybe maybe that's why my skill in that area is so strong. Is yeah. like, hey, come on, people. What are you doing? Yeah. Maybe
0: you could teach classes to other folks who need to really work on that. You know, CEOs or anybody who's like having to negotiate. You know.
1: Nonverbal and verbal communication. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's priceless. Maybe um like hostage response teams, that sort of thing. Like anybody really (laughs) needs to be able to give that death glare. Like I feel like a lifetime of working cattle and then into this situation, you've probably got like a serious stare going that you should really be able to monetize. So Yeah, I feel like that and then just not having a voice for so long. Like, I don't
2: know. I think that there's a lot of times that Especially my mom and I communicate without talking. Like, as you know, when there would be people in their room and we would just, you know, kind of do this look back and forth thing. And I, yeah, I would say that having that cattle working background of like, okay, you got to get over here, you got to get over here, and doing all like communicating all that without ever talking. I would say that that is that's a very good point.
0: <laughs> so knowing that there are a lot of unknowns with spinal cord injuries, what are your, what are you hearing about what your prognosis is going forward yeah i mean i kind of talked a little bit about it earlier basically it's just
2: you know we'll wait and see and we'll figure it out and um like over the summer i went up to mayo and you know i saw a ton of specialists while i was there that were all excellent but you know they basically said the same thing of like you know we're not we're not entirely sure how you're As well as what, you know, everybody, every single doctor that I saw said, wow, you, I'm so glad that you're here in person because what it looks like on paper and what we see in front of us can't be the same thing. And so I don't know. Basically, it seems like my whole life, I've kind of defied the odds of we're not really sure how this has worked out as well as it has, but here you are. And so, um, you know, we just. Nobody can really comment on why my toes wiggle and what that means. because um, So basically for people who don't know, and I didn't really have an understanding of this before my spinal cord injury, but so like each level like each vertebrae that you have in your spine controls a different area of your body from being able to breathe on your own to being able to move or feel or, um, you know, a, a, basically anything that happens in your body, your spinal cord, Controls. And so, um, mine is my spinal cord injury is at C6, but I'm in, so there's two types of injuries, complete and incomplete. A complete means that there is a, like your spinal cord was severed at that location. Incomplete means that there's just like something a little bit wrong, but this signal still can get past it. So I'm a C6 incomplete, but with that, like I should not have use of my fingers. I should not be able, you know, to move my arms. My toes definitely should not wiggle. There's a lot of things that I have that I was 100% a C6 complete. I would not have, and so nobody really need, seems to know how or why the toes are wiggling. But um, your toes are at the very bottom of your spinal cord, um, kind of at like that sacral area, and so. You know, we know that there are some signals that are making it all the way from my brain down to the very bottom of my spine. And, you know, we hope that with time and um, we're looking into some different sorts of like therapy things um, that kind of help to rewire the brain, the signals and stuff like that. And so, like I said, we're hopeful, but no, no doctor has really given us a clear like This is 100% what it's going to be because
0: I don't, you know, nobody seems to really know. So with what I know of the general personality of farmers, do you have any tips for dealing with when things are wait and see? Because I feel like generally we are not wait and see kind of people or we certainly wouldn't be raising cattle if we were. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Some
2: days are harder than others. You know, like there's a lot of, you know, some moment to moment is harder than others. And sometimes i super, you know, positive and hopeful. And other times I'm like, man, this sucks. You know what I mean? Like when I was at the rehab hospital, um, we, you know, spent, or, you know, just our time in the hospital that year, we spent Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, my birthday, Easter, all in the hospital. And that sucked. Like there's not a lot of good ways to, define, you know, we're a big family, we love spending time together. Holidays are a really big deal um to us, like they are a lot of people. And it's hard to be excited about spending Christmas and ICU on a ventilator with no voice. Like nothing about that is really exciting. And um right before my birthday was when I and I was gonna be twenty six. And um you know I hadn't eaten since before Thanksgiving. I had been hungry the whole time, and, you know, I was very upset, and I talked to my mom, and I was just like, you have no idea how hard it is to be 26 years old and not be able to feed yourself, like, that sucks, and, um, I don't know, I'm just, like I said, I'm very fortunate, my family has a can-do attitude, and, you know, my mom was like, okay, we're gonna start working on it then, and so, you know, I was doing between, like, three and six hours of therapy a day when I was at the rehab hospital. And after I would, you know, after I would do that, and I would be completely exhausted and still in the evenings. you know, we started talking to the therapists about like, okay, what can we do to start working on it? And we just got to work. So, you know, it's hard to not know what the future is, but and to some extent, like I get what you're saying, like we want to control our, you know, control our environment and know all the variables. But at the end of the day, you know, we plant a crop and we don't know if or when it's gonna rain or, you know, any of what you're gonna get. Is it gonna hail? Is there gonna be a windstorm? Is it gonna, you know, are you gonna have the worst weather of the year, the weekend that you start your heifers start calving? All those things that we obviously hope that, you know, if you wait until March instead of February to calve, yeah, you want the weather to be better, but there's also been years where the worst cold snap or the worst blizzard has happened then. So we, you know, we hope for the best and that's what we want, but we also kind of know to plan for the worst as well. And we just get up and get to work every day. And I think that having that attitude is kind of what's kept us all sane. And on top of that is how we've seen as much progress because you know, it would have been very easy to give up then. I had doctors, you know, in the hospital that said, you know, you're probably not going to get it back. You're probably going to be on it. You know, I literally had a pulmonary doctor say, I don't know if you're going to get off the vent. It's going to be really hard. Good luck. And she just walked out of the room. And that was it. And like, I don't know, that was devastating to me. And, but I think like you said, with the the eyes of working cows, I just was like, fine, I'll show her. And, you know, fortunately, I'm off the vent all day long now. You know, and the, the only reason why I still have it is because I have sleep apnea, not because of a, you know, a lung issue itself. You know, just having a kind of a, well, fine, I'll prove you wrong attitude. I, you're not the boss. I'm the boss. So, you know, when it's hard, but we try to make the best of it that we can.
1: So the way that we actually got in touch with you is we found out that you were promoting the Cuddle Cow Company, a company that you and your husband started. So mm-hmm. can you tell us about your company and what you're, you're working towards and what you're doing?
2: Yeah. So my husband and I, after we got home, I mean, we were just, we were so fortunate. So many people when I was in the hospital sent, you know, cards and gifts and money and just, it, it helped so much. I mean, when you're in the hospital for that long, it's, it's sad it's depressing it's financially very hard you know we lived anywhere from two hours to six hours away from where our farm is and you know we were fortunate that people came and took care of our animals for us and you know just everything that we needed somehow we always you know miraculously got and so once we came home my husband and I were listening to a podcast with that the um, founder of Tom's, the shoe company, where if you buy a pair of shoes, they give a pair of shoes away. Um He was on the Ed My Left podcast. And my husband was like, hey, like, I think that we should do something like this. And that was when we first came home. And man, I mean, we were just, we were still swimming in it. And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Maybe someday if you want to figure that out, that's great. But I'm at the end, you know, I'm at the end of my rope right now. And I can't think about this. And yeah, so today think it's
1: like, not that day. Yes, correct. And so he
2: just honestly like kept bringing it up like, hey, like if we were to do this, what would we sell? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Figure it
1: out. (laughs) Like
2: like, it was something that it was really, really important to Nick. And so he just kept bringing it up. And so finally I just was, you know, he wore me down and was like, okay, like, you know, we want to do something where we give back, but what would it be? And we, you know, thought about a million different things. And I think it was his idea, actually, and he was like, hey, like, you know, you had several people that sent you blankets and you really liked having something that was not just the standard medical grade, has been bleached a million times, so it's horribly uncomfortable Um, blanket, what if we sold blankets? And it was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, that would be kind of cool, but what would they be? And then when I was in the hospital, something that I just... You know, when you can't talk, you have all the time to think, and so I just kept thinking and telling myself, like, "You got to get back to the farm. You got to get back to the farm. You got to get back to the farm." Because there were a lot of days that were really touch and go, um, where we weren't sure that I was going to make it back. And so I just kept telling myself, "You got to get back to the farm." And so was like, okay, we have like the farm is the most, you know, one of the most important things to us. So how can we combine? our love of the farm with a product that could give back. And so Nick's like, there has to be a way to make custom blankets. Let me use some checking. And so he just started researching it. And you know, we found a manufacturer that would print custom pictures for us. And then uh, you know we there but everywhere like wanted us to buy in bulk. And you know financially the ability to do that. Plus we live like 10 miles from town. And so if we were going to have to package it all ourselves, getting it to the post office was just not an option. So then it was like, okay, we've, you know, found places that will make them, but we need to find somewhere that will also ship them for us. And so, you know, just every step of the way, you know, we just figured it out one step at a time, very similar to how we have with, you know, all the stuff with my injury. And so, you know, we figured out how do you form an LLC? How do you, Figure out sales tax. How do you, you know, do all these things? And so, you know, we coupled it all together and decided to do the custom farm blankets. So the majority of our blankets have pictures that we've taken, um, here on like the farm of our cattle or, uh, the farm where my husband and I live. We have a barn that was built in the early 1900s. And I often joke that if Nick would let me, I would live in the barn because I love it. And so that we have a blanket that has the barn on it, but then um, several people reached out and were like, you know, do you offer custom blankets? And so, you know, then we had to go back to people and be like, okay, can we just do, you know, could we do any pictures that we wanted? And they said yes, fortunately. And so now we also offer that where um, if somebody, you know, people can either pick the blanket, you know, a blanket that we already have on the website or they can send us their own. And so now we offer that. And then, you know, because we liked the Tom's aspect of, you know, buy one, give one sort of a thing. Um, you know, we've talked about a lot of different ideas that we could do, but we decided to settle on putting our money towards researching a cure for spinal cord injury. Um, because as of right now, there is no, no cure uh, for spinal cord injury. And so we instead of just complaining about the problem, wanted to be hopefully a part of the solution one day. And so um, part of the proceeds go towards helping to find a cure. And we're actually really excited because um, Northwestern, the hospital just announced here a couple of weeks ago that they um, have created a new drug that they were able to help cure paralysis in um, either mice or rats i'm not sure which and they're actually going to the fda right now to get approval for a human study and so our we Nick has been in contact with them and so we're really excited that our money is going to go towards helping fund that because you know like anything research needs money and spinal cord injury um, is an area that's definitely underfunded because just not a lot of people know about it you know it's not a big not a big button topic. And so you know we're hoping to not only raise awareness for spinal cord injury, but also, you know, raise funds to help be a part of that cure.
0: It seems like a really farmer response to, to an injury like this to be like, you know, we've had this devastating injury, and we're six hours from home. And you know what we should do is start a business because why not? Like that's just <laughs> such a a farmer response to something like this to be like, why not just fix this by starting something completely different? Yeah, nice.
2: my, my husband has a very... I'm kind of the high-strung type A personality, and Nick is a very, like, calm, cool collected type B personality. And so I was very worried about a lot of things, and Nick jokes that, like, a few weeks before my spinal cord injury, we had a cow that went down, and he had to put an IV in its neck and <laughs> give it something... And so anytime I would, you know, be like, well, we don't know how to do this, right? Right? You know, and I'd just be like, you know, starting to spiral out of control and be like, hey, if I can put an IV in a cow, I can do this. Like, I don't know how this reference is the same.
1: This is like, not reassuring. <laughs> I
2: appreciate the fact that you were trying to calm me down right now, but I am only more stressed out by the fact that you think that somehow this is the same as giving an IV to a cow. And yeah. the cow didn't even make it. And so I <laughs>
1: But the cow died, but, <laughs> Your confidence um, level is not where I would like it to be. Exactly. <laughs> to be reassuring. I,
0: I need you to knock it down a few notches. I feel like this story would be a lot more reassuring if you had been like, and then the cow jumped up and was fine and had heifer twins and milked the best. And she died, is not <laughs> really super reassuring. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs>
1: Yeah, I actually have um, two family members, uh, a cousin who was paralyzed in a swimming accident. And then my uncle, my late uncle now was in, uh, was paralyzed many years ago in a a farm accident. And they both of their family, like immediate families, and then us as a larger family participated in a bunch of different fundraisers over the years for spinal cord research in Canada, like through, through that organization. So I was just curious about if you're funds are going to a specific organization or if you're sending them to different programs depending on where the needs are or how you're channeling your your fundraising efforts
2: yeah for the time being um i think that it's all going to go to the northwestern study um just (laughs) to try and help like get that off the ground because that's the most promising research to come out i think potentially ever um and so we're really excited about that in the future i don't you know i don't know 100% what it looks like because like i said we're just Taking it one day at a time. Going from how the heck do we figure? You know, I don't know what do we do with sales tax. Like that's something that on the farm we've never had to deal with. And I'm like, I don't want to go to prison. Like we got to figure. Out. <laughs> you know, we have got to figure this out. And so you know, for for the time being, Northwestern is where you know we're going to channel that, and we've actually raised like seven hundred and fifty dollars already. So we're really excited about that. And you know, I don't I don't know what the future of it looks like, but you know, this. Is, I feel like we're, you know, it like, hopeless romantics or, like, hopelessly hopeful sort of thing, Um, and that we don't know what it could be, you know, for my injury, and we don't know what it can be for the business, but we hope that to shoot for the moon and that,
0: you know, the sky's the
2: limit for it.
0: Oh, warn you, Karen, I have a horrible, dark sense of humor, but I feel like realistically the irs is never going to come after you for sales tax because <laughs> you would have the worst optics of anyone they could ever try to do anything about like well, let's hope so how bad would they look to be coming after you for sales tax like farm wife paralyzed making blankets for charity like there really is are really fun right yeah. Like, I feel like they've probably got a lot of people that would rank above you in. I hope so. People that would be worth coming after. So if our listeners would like to order a blanket for a loved one before Christmas, which they should because I've been looking at your store and they're gorgeous, is there still time?
2: Yeah. So through, like, the um, 12th or 13th of December, we can
0: guarantee
2: that it can get there. And we actually have more than just plan- Like, blankets is where we started and I love the blankets. We have Three different options. Um, and you know, the pictures turn out awesome. And even if someone like sends a picture that they've taken on a cell phone, as long as it's like a newer high quality camera phone, um, the pictures turn out gorgeous. Like they look really, really good. And so we have the blankets. We also have canvases and then we also have bath mats. So we have a variety um, of different things. And as long as people order, like I said, by like the 12th or 13th, we can guarantee that it can get to them before the 25th. And uh, Nick and I actually talked this morning that we were going to do um, a coupon code. And I think, you know, we're not overly technical. So that was like another thing. Nick had to figure out how do you make a website? And so um, we have a 5% off for anybody that listens to the show if they use um, the code barnyard, all one word. So
0: we're thank really you
2: so much so as
1: the spots. canadian co-host i want to just check would you ship to canada too or are you just in the u.s at this point or what is i uh, just uh, in the u.s at this point that's fine just wanted canada. to check yeah we had someone from canada reach out but the shipping was like
2: astronaut like the shipping is ridiculous in the u.s already and then um, to try and get it into canada unfortunately it was just more than double the cost of the blanket and so it's, that's not something that we can do at this
1: point. That's fine. I know. Anytime I try and buy something on Etsy, I'm like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, $25 shipping. Never mind. It's not that cute.
0: No. No. <laughs> My personal favorite question for this entire show that we ask all of our guests, we tried to change it once and it was horrible. So we're just sticking with it, is what county fair competition could you dominate? Could be a real category, a made up category? We talked about that this morning. I feel like if it's
2: in regards, the blankets it's definitely like the coziest award because like i said the blankets are super duper soft so i i would say if there was a some sort of snuggly cuddly cozy award that would be the one that we would rock
0: i would like to judge that i feel like we should assemble a team because i feel like the boy child is probably the snuggliest person in the world (laughs) so i feel like if you paired (laughs) him and arlene's puppy with the blanket. And a snuggly like with a cow on it. Woo. Yeah, you'd probably have a trifecta of <laughs> snuggly. We <laughs> have some friends that sent us, a they
2: ordered a blanket, and
0: they sent me a picture,
2: and she said that every day when she goes to work, her dog gets really upset, and so she always covers him in a blanket before she leaves, and she sent me one of, the you know, this super cute puppy that was wrapped in a blanket, and it was adorable.
1: <laughs> so. Prize winning for sure. So I, we're going to move into our cussing and discussing category, I think. Unless you have something else
0: you want to say, Katie. No, I was just excited that it was time for cussing and discussing. Okay, It's my favorite and I am here for it.
1: <laughs> You're ready to cuss. as I always am, if any, <laughs> if any of our listeners would like to cuss and discuss, you can record a voice memo or send us a message. Our email address is barnyardlanguage at gmail.com. Or you can send us a message through Facebook or Instagram. Katie, I know you just got back from a long road trip. Thanksgiving road trip with your family so I'm going to guess you have some cussing maybe discussing. I'm guessing you have cussing to
0: do so you get to go first. So we drove to Pennsylvania and back last week for Thanksgiving um, from far northeast Iowa so 12 hours and change of actual driving time with a three and a half year old and a going to be five on Sunday year old and um, the kids actually did really well considering we did get a noise complaint, I want to say, the first night. <laughs> Not on the road, I'm guessing. No, the the boy child. <laughs> we got to that hotel and he was beyond excited. And we got a noise complaint from the folks downstairs at the hotel that it sounded like there was a herd of elephants upstairs. And could we please keep it down? The hotel we stayed at for the bulk of our trip was able to put us
1: Away from all the people? way at the
0: end. <laughs> yeah, so that helped, but I think next time we're, it's going to be all at Airbnb, something like that from here on out where we can just, but the one that I really, you know, I like to bring a solid cost to this whole thing is the people, I was dropping the kids off at daycare yesterday and it's 40 some degrees here. I don't know, Karen, how warm it is in your part of Iowa, but it's, I mean, it's like spring-like out there right now and I'm dropping the kids off. And we're, like, walking from the car to the building. or are not, like, going on a five-mile trek or anything. And this woman walks up to the girl child while I'm standing here and goes, Where is your hat? And I'm just like, Lady, she's five. It's 40-some degrees out here, and we're walking, like, a 100 feet. So she has now been out here longer than she would have been because you're asking her questions. And also, just, why are you asking my five-year-old? And I was thinking about it that people even do this when you have a small infant, that if the baby isn't wearing shoes or something, they will ask the baby where their shoes are.
1: Like well, the I baby is going aggressive. to respond.
0: Yeah. I just trust that I can dress my child, trust that they're not gonna die of hypothermia when it's forty some degrees out, and just leave people alone. Just just leave people alone. Oh, no. So that was it. What about you, Arlene?
1: Well, this kind of ties back into our talk about shipping somewhat. So this seems really trivial compared to what we just talked about today. And I apologize, Karen. I'm going on the super trivial side, but I don't understand why every company who I've put myself on the email list for. And I made that choice. That's fine. Sometimes i like to know about your deals, but I don't need to know that black Friday is coming. That black Friday is tomorrow, that it's black Friday today. It's black Friday today. It's black Friday today. And that it's going to be cyber Monday. And there's still deals, still deals, still deals. Like every company sent me like 15 emails in the last five days. And I'm not shopping that much. And does that really generate that much more interest in their things? If they just fill my inbox with garbage. I don't understand how this helps, but I didn't need to know about that many deals. And I unsubscribe from a bunch of stuff just because of it. So take that, companies.
0: I'm amazed at how many people I know have unsubscribed from huge amounts of emails this week. So probably all these businesses have lost a huge amount of, <laughs> yeah. of customers just from people not wanting to see their shitty emails.
1: Yeah. You send me 15 emails in five days?
0: I'm gone. I'm out of here. What? How many emails could they send you? A week before you'd get mad. Um, I mean, I'm okay with
1: two or three. I can delete them just as easily as not. But it's the, like, multiple times a day, too much. If there were pictures of puppies in them? Well, I mean, I would
0: subscribe to that. But Okay.
1: okay. My, the, the, uh, I'm I'm going Canadian here, but my Indigo and my, uh, you know, like, Rakuten and those websites, they're not sending me puppies. They're just trying to get me to buy more stuff. I bought Bell. too much stuff already. Bruce. I mean,
0: Karen might need some marketing ideas. So Karen, <laughs> yeah. hot Five tip. emails a day, too much. Put pictures of puppies in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Arlene oh, will let you spam her as much as you want if there's pictures of puppies. We'll
1: send you pictures of our dogs. You can put them on blankets. Yeah.
0: yeah. I Love actually, them. I have a picture of my dog tucked in with a blanket. So you could probably just like Photoshop one of your blankets in on top of him. Or I guess I could order him one and just <laughs> yeah, take another picture.
1: Order him, order him a blanket with his own picture on it.
0: Oh my so God, Karen I'd like that
1: you have a, I'm sure you have a lot of things to cuss about <laughs> do you have anything in particular that you want to cuss or discuss with us today? I mean some days that list would be a mile long we yeah I bet for all the things that it
2: could be but yeah I could the emails is definitely a thing and somehow I swear like some companies if you try and unsubscribe they just send you like a dozen more emails. I'm Like people let me out of this rat race. Like
1: yeah. how? Why are yeah? Why are you leaving? Is it because exactly. we send you too many emails? Yes, that's not. So. I sent you seven emails asking you why
2: you're leaving. So yeah, <laughs> I, I can agree with the email thing as
1: well. Thank you so much, Karen, for joining us today and being on the Barnyard Language Podcast. We appreciate you being so open with us and being willing to share your story. And we want to encourage all of our listeners to to look for the Cuddle Cow Company. Uh, Do you want to tell us your website or where they can find you online? Are you on all the social medias? You can tell us all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So our website is cuddlecowcompany.com. And we're also um, with that same name on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. So, you know, if you like cute pictures or videos of cows, we, we try and cover you on all bases there. So. Yeah, we like all that stuff.
0: Yeah. We'd love that. That'd be great. Yeah. I think we're pretty much your target audience because Arlene and I, <laughs> we like cows, we like cozy and we like pictures of cute stuff. So
2: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, like I said before, anybody that wants to shop, be sure to use the coupon code barnyard for five percent off. We really appreciate that you will give us this
0: opportunity. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Barnyard Language. We would appreciate it if you would like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Leaving a review is a great way to help us reach more listeners. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language and on Twitter as Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other like-minded farm families, just join the private Facebook group.
1: Patreon is an easy way for you to support us and to support the show. Please consider giving us the ultimate holiday gift by becoming a patron.
0: I like that that's the ultimate holiday gift. It is the ultimate holiday gift. The gift gift. of Arlene. The ultimate (laughs) holiday gift. And a cozy
1: blanket.